This show is for the sales leader who knows they have a pivotal role in driving outstanding sales results. Getting hired or promoted to manage a sales team is a big accomplishment, but you know you have to work hard to become a great sales leader. You are listening to the Divine Comedy of Sales podcast. Here's your host, coach and advisor to elite sales leaders from around the world, Matt McDarby. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Divine Comedy of Sales podcast. I'm Matt McDarby, veteran seller, leader, coach and advisor to elite sales leaders all over the world. I'm really excited to have you join and listen to today's episode. This is one of our interview episodes, and I'd like to introduce you to my very special guest right now. I am here with the great, the legendary Larry Litau. Larry is currently the CEO at CyberCX. Um, he's spent uh, many years in the cybersecurity business, but his in- experience includes all manner of software and SaaS, IT consulting. He's also a past chairman of the Tech Council of Maryland. And down to his core, Larry is a seller and a leader. And I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone in the DC Baltimore region knows Larry somehow, some way. They're connected with Larry. So, and in my case, I've known Larry for, get ready, Larry, 20 years. Wow. Right? 20 years we've known each other. So I'm thrilled to have you with us. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. And I appreciate uh, reaching out. It's been a long time. So it's great to catch up. Too long. Too long. Yeah. When I made up my list of people that I wanted to talk to, and I've said this in other episodes that, you know, if you, if you watch anybody listens to podcasts, you may see some of the same sort of people cycling through and it's all good authors and people have a lot of good things to say, but my list is people I've worked with, people that I know are super capable. I've seen them in action. I've got a few of the other people too, but it's really like people who I can attest to personally. I've seen you in action. I know how you sell. I know how you lead. I've worked for you. So I'm thrilled to have you here. So let's just dive in. Um, Let's, you know, the focus is sales leadership, leading people in sales organizations. So what would you say is the most important lesson you've learned so far about leading a sales team? Well, I think I've noticed over the years that they're different. Everybody's different, right? We learn about that with our kids, right? Oh, we don't, even though they say you're supposed to treat your kids the same, but they're different and they're different requirements. That's how I look at sales, leading a sales team. Their personalities are different. The, whether they're technical or not, how they sell is different. So it always drove me nuts where you, you, you'd bring somebody in and you would say, hey, go follow, do whatever that person does. Then you'll become a great salesperson. Not the case. You know, I've been blessed to be a part of an organization early in my career where, you know, the two top sales guys couldn't be any different, right? One was incredibly technical and you looked at him almost like a sales engineer. And the other guy was like an entertainer and you wanted to see him because he made you laugh. So you gave him the business that way. But it it really was clear early on that you treat people differently. You have to find out what their successes are and not worry about their, you know, what their weaknesses are, which is different from any other, you know, uh, individual. And you just focus on that and you figure out how to build a, a successful culture around them. So let's dive into that. Talk to me about like, how do you do that? Like I, I know... Again, like I said, I've seen you in action and I know that you really genuinely care about people and you tune in and try to understand them and what they're trying to achieve. So we can assume those are, you know, that's at play here. But tell me more about your process. Like, how do you figure out like the two examples? The one guy is really a technical seller, almost like a pre-sales engineer type. The other who's like all personality and sort of drives connection that way. 
Like, how do you figure that out? Well, a part of it clearly is uh, when you when you start giving them information, how do they digest it? You know, how do they absorb it? How do they repeat it? To what level can they repeat it? Can they do it on their own? You know, when they go out on calls initially, do they say, hey, I like to bring so-and-so with me? The other one says, I can do this on my by myself. Uh, and what's the personality like, right? Can they have those conversations at the, you know, CEO level or at the executive level where some need that support, right? Doesn't make them a bad salesperson. It just says, this is what I need to help you to, for you to achieve success. So you have to sort of define that. And there's many, you know, if one side is technical and one side is sales, there's that whole line there. So you don't have to be the extremes. You just have to know where a person fits in that line and say, okay, if you're here, this is what it takes to be successful. It's um, part of what you said leads me to believe that, like you said, how they digest information. Is that like how they learn? Yeah, very much how they learn. And, you know, some people learn quickly. Some people only learn the highlights and some people don't want to learn at all. Right. That's not their, I mean, they could get into any door and, and introduce you and they go, here, let me introduce you to John. He's going to tell you a little about the product, but they're so valuable. Yeah. Right. So you just, you know, everybody's valuable. You just have to find out if you can make it work. Yeah. I think about, you know, it's funny every so often, I don't, you know, I don't always know what triggers it, but I'll have memories of sales calls I've gone on or meetings I've been in with people. One of the things I remember about you, I couldn't tell you who the client was. It's got to be 15 years ago. All I know is just somewhere in like Columbia, Maryland. I remember sitting there. This was a pretty senior, I may have been a CIO or a very senior IT executive. And um, you were asking them questions about the business and what's going on. The thing that I noticed about that conversation was how much silence there was. You would ask a question and leave dead air. And I was still a pretty young seller at the time. I not wasn't who I am now, but I remember it being a little uncomfortable. I'm like, what's going on? Like, why, what, where, why is there all this dead space? Yeah. And the fact is in that example, you were, you're waiting for him to answer. Right? Yeah. Now this is someone you knew and you'd met him before, but for whatever reason, you picked up on a cue that said, this is somebody who's just going to need a little bit of time to sort of ruminate and figure out how he's answering my question. I'm mentioning that because I imagine that's something you probably have done as a leader. It's like, let me just, let me try to understand and give this person the, res- the space to respond. And that's that patient approach that you took in that one example. I would, is that, has that been at play as you lead people? Is that part of it? I mean, part of it is you're investing in those relationships, right? And, you know, people work at different speeds. And I think part of it is, is evaluating it. But the, you know, the other part of the story is, what can your organization, if you're a leader of that organization, what can you supply? What are you going to supply? If you're hiring people from uh, enterprise, large enterprise organizations, and they come to you, they expect to have an engine behind them. And yeah. if you don't have that engine, they're going to fail, right? Because that's, so you have to be really clear about what your, what your operation is, what you can provide, and what type of people you need to hire. You know, you, you know, during that interview process, you know, are they good? Are they self-generator? Do they need a model? Do they listen? Do they understand? Right. We used to have the old pen trick, you know, when people were, when the sales guys would talk too long, you know, you take the pen out and you, you'd start to rise the pen. And if they talk too long, you throw it at them. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you, we, that's what we, that's what I was taught very early, you know, Ask a question and the next person who talks loses, right? And uh, and you got to sort of 
use that as a way to gain. I mean, that's how you gain information from your client. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing how to, like, what you offer to people and whether there's a fit. Now, you were saying that was, you're talking about people you're hiring. Yeah. Right. Can this person be successful given what we're able to give them? Right. I mean, we don't want to set people up for failure. Right. Right. And And I'm not sure, well, I'll put it this way. I think average sales leaders aren't necessarily thinking that way. Right. It's, can this person be successful? Will they figure it out? And those are also the same leaders that don't do a great job of setting clear expectations and helping people understand how the work needs to be done. But it's, okay, really, really interesting take on that. I know, again, having watched you in action, that you love the relationship building part of selling. That's kind of, that's in your DNA. It just, there's very few people better sure. at it. But when it comes to leading salespeople, I'm wondering, what do you love most about that? It's a team sport. I mean, from, from even though they say sales is an individual sport, right? You're responsible for yourself to grow, but it really is team. I mean, it's team from the, you know, the relationship between the, the sales and the, and the technical. It's a relationship between the customer. It's a relationship on how we support, you know, our people. So all of that together is what, you know, I love about it. You, you can't win alone. You know, unless you're a one-person company, you deliver, you sell, then go ahead and do it. But in most of the companies that you and I are involved in, it takes so much to deliver from the time you make that first introduction to to the time you make that customer happy. And I love that team part of it. Yeah. So what what is it about? So I think those are those the way you described it illustrates the team environment, how important it is. But what else? Like what else about being part of a team? And you're the quarterback sometimes, but you may also be the guy in the back, right? In the backstage, you play different roles, I assume, depending on what the team needs, right? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, even, even today on the sales calls that I went on this morning, right? Sometimes I was leading them. Sometimes I would just, you know, kick off the meeting and turn it over to the, the people that are really uh, very capable on whatever we're talking about within my organization. But, you know, I, I think sometimes we get stuck into that lead role and we don't know how to get ourselves out of it. Mm. And so if we don't push others to be those leads, then we're never going to grow because we're going to be involved in every opportunity or every deal. And at some point you got to get out of that. Right. Yeah, because that's not leading, right? No, I mean, right. Exactly. And and we all get caught sometimes in it, whether it's a friend or, or it's a relationship we're trying to build to get us somewhere else. We want to try to get Try to remain in it, but really there's no benefit in doing that if you start looking at it. Yeah. Without naming names, can you think of an example or a story to illustrate that? Where the, that I've gotten in the way? Or, oh, or, or the opposite, either. Yeah. You know. I mean, I, I, I like, you know, I would say I can give you sales on both ends. You know, there's a big association that I have a relationship with the CIO. And due to that relationship, I've been able to move projects along, right? Well, or the, and the fact is due to that relationship, we've been awarded work, right? So uh, I enjoy our company. I enjoy, you know, his company and we were, and we're very involved and, and, and that works for me, right? Cause it's, he's a personal friend. On the other hand, when you don't have that connection and you get sucked into it and you can't get yourself out of it because they expect you to be at every meeting and they don't yeah. understand why they get personal, why you're not, because you've never let anybody else lead. Right. And then you get your, and then you can't grow. The, the, the opportunity only is going to grow when you're in there. And then when you leave, when you try to back yourself out, they don't like the fact that you're not giving them the attention. It's because you played too big of a role at the beginning. Yeah. 
Driving great sales results is hard. Doing it consistently is even harder. There are so many obstacles that can prevent you from becoming the most effective sales leader you can be. Find practical advice you can apply right away by picking up your copy of Matt's book, The Divine Comedy of Sales, at www.divinecomedyofsales.com. There's a really quick example. I know a CEO I once worked with who was really kind of the primary relationship owner with many of the key executives that buy from this company. I'm, I'm avoiding specific detail, right? But, uh, but uh, exactly what you're describing, because this person had really strong personal relationships with decision makers in the market they served, but continually sort of struggled to bring people along in sales roles in relationship management roles, because he was like, it was, he basically eclipsed people. Like his relationships were stronger and he didn't mean to do it, but he basically decredentialed all of his people. It's just all the time because people would be like, these, these senior buyers would be like, Hey, can you make an exception for me, Joe? And Joe would make an exception and, and the salesperson would be out of the loop and Huge problem, right? It got in the way of people's development. So, so true. Anything else that you'd say about, uh, you know, that team environment, what you love about it, maybe that you haven't said yet? Uh, just, I think just being able to recognize people's expertise, right? And, and, and setting, and again, I go back to that line is always setting people up for success. I mean, I think there are cultures that pull people down and you have to make sure that your culture does the opposite. Because if, if you start to realize that you you go through a lot of salespeople, it can't always be the salesperson that's causing this problem. It's so, probably so. the way you lead or the culture or something like that. So you got to really look at yourself and, and realize where where the where the shortcomings are. Yeah. Hey, I hope people listening heard that one loud and clear, right? Because there's a sign we see these organizations where people churn a lot, and the leaders are like, "I don't get it," and I'm like, "Really? I don't get it." <laughs> okay, yeah. let's. Let's talk. All right. Okay. Let's talk about uh, your influencers. And again, I know a little bit about your backstory and, and kind of where you come from, but who would you say has had the most influence on you and your work as a leader? Wow. Great. I think there's many people. I mean, I look back from the early time when, you, when, you know, my father you know, was a big sure. leader in, sure. in, in his organization in the U.S. government. And I watched the way he, I watched him from early stages, how he led a group, you know, a friend of mine, Rick Garrett's well-known in the cyber industry. I, I look at, uh, his attention to detail. So I picked up those areas and, and, uh, and so I, I look at that and I just, you know, I think in, in all through my life, whether it was a bad leader or a good leader, you learn, right. And, and you definitely learn more from a, from a good, from a bad leader. Right. Uh, one of the things I've, I've, I've learned is anybody can lead in great times, right? When you're growing 35%, 50%, anybody can be a great leader. Mm -hmm. The question is when you stop growing or when the numbers start to dip a little bit, how do you lead then? You know, how does your personality change? Do you still show the same respect? Uh, you know, it, you have to be that even line throughout leadership as, as, as times change and organizations change, you know, you and I both worked for a company where the leader was a screamer, right? Yeah. And I used to just like, I could, like, wh where does that benefit you? <laughs> and I couldn't understand why that would benefit somebody, but you know, that's the personality of that, that leader. Right. And, 
you know, I learned early on, I didn't want to be that. Right. And mm -hmm. I didn't want to be a part of that. So, <laughs> you know, you would, nobody would ever hear that from me. You know, I can't imagine doing that. So, uh, you know, in all through my jobs, I've grabbed, you know, great nuggets from, in, from lessons from all of these people. And, I'm, you know, and, and that's probably what's made me, you know, whenever you, if you define me as successful, that's what made me successful. It wasn't, it was my ability to absorb that and learn from that. You know, there's a, a connection between what you just said and something I've heard from almost every person I've interviewed so far for the show. And it's the, I've, you know, I've learned essentially, right? That, and for those listening, that's one of the things that I find is consistently true about great leaders, great performers in almost every walk of life, but great leaders in particular, that they're, all, they're constantly learning. And Larry, I agree. Like I've had some tremendous coaches and examples to work with, and I've learned maybe harder lessons that stuck more from the leaders that weren't so great. I can appreciate the difference, right? I, I, I see the difference. But I think that's the key. So, so what I'm hearing you say is even now, you've been at this for a while, right? And leading this group for a while and, and, um, but you're still learning. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And whether it's reading books or whether it's podcasts or whether it's, you know, talking to other CEOs or other VP of sales or whatever the case is, I absorb what they're doing good. How is it working? Why is it working? What's not working, right? Mm -hmm. And if they're telling you what this isn't working, you look and say, are we doing that? And is it working right. for us? And you know, let's make sure about that. And I imagine I'm picturing those conversations. I picture you asking a question <laughs> and then shutting up and listening, right? So, uh, so, <laughs> so all right. Um, in the last few minutes, I'm just going to ask you kind of a big open question. And this is my way of capturing the, like, is there some other nugget or gem here that you haven't said yet that people would, would, uh, would value? Like, what else? What else do you want to share with those listening? What else have you learned? Any other kind of pearls of wisdom here you'd offer in the last few minutes? You know, probably not that we're all perfect, but you have to show you care. You know, you have to invest in your people. You have to take the time, you know, and learn about them, learn about their stories, learn about their families, because all of that is what makes them who they are. And it takes time, it, it, you know, and then, that's why we work long hours sometimes. And that's why we, you know, on the way home, you know, you make your five calls to your employees and see how they're doing or, or when they're, you know, if the performance slip, you know, is there something going on that you need to be aware of that you need to help them through so they can get back to being that high performer. So, you know, invest in your people, invest the time and, you know, and I think in the long run, they'll respect you more and, they'll help you lead better, right? You can't lead by yourself. They have to want you to lead. And if you don't invest in that, they won't invest back in you. That's a great point. It's, it's kind of obvious, right? You can't, leading is not a solo act. Like no. there are people involved and um, you've you used somewhat different words, but again, a common theme, you've got to show people that you care, that you're invested in them. Otherwise, how could you possibly expect them to want to invest? Right, and, it, and it's a different world, right? We're remote in many of our cases. So, you yeah. know, how you, how you touch your employees, you know, whether it's via video or call or whatever it is, you have to, it, it, it's much more different than getting everybody in a room and talking to them. Right? Right. Now you have to do a bunch of individual ones at many times. So it becomes, it's a little different game. Yeah. So for those listening, right, there's another common thread. We've got to show people we care. We've got to be invested in them. 
And I think we're all dealing with some version of it's harder right now, or, or it's been for the last few years, harder to really connect with people. What I'm noticing is a whole lot of people like acknowledging maybe in ways they hadn't in the past that we really have to be better connected because when we were working, we were used to working together in an office environment, you see people every day and, and maybe we took that for granted. And now we're like, no, every minute counts. We have to engage and understand these people. And they were doing it just like you and I are today. We're in two different locations and we got to find a way to connect. So Larry, this has been wonderful as I fully expected. And, uh, I want to thank you for uh, joining. For those of you listening, I've written about Larry before too. He was the subject of one of the stories I've written in in uh, my first book, and that was about sort of leading by example. So uh, Larry's the real deal, and I'm thrilled that he was uh, able to invest the time with us today. And um, in a moment, I'm going to talk about just some few a few key ideas that we heard from Larry and and how you can apply them to your work going forward. Before I do that, Larry. Thank you very much. Great to see you. Well, thank you. And I always love you. And uh, thanks for your leadership in this field. Thank you, Larry. What a great guest Larry Litau was. I'm so glad he was able to join. I just want to play back a few things that we heard from him, but also call out, you know, by listening to the show that I've got a, a kind of a deep focus on virtuous, virtuous leadership. And you probably heard in the way that Larry talks about his experiences and, and uh, the way he expresses himself, that humility is one of his hallmarks, just a super successful guy, but just the quality of the, of the man and how humble he is, not proud or arrogant in any way, um, which is not a given uh, for people who are successful sales leaders. But some of the other things he talked about, I think, reflect goodwill and patience you know, so it's really the the virtues in combination that are at play here. So he said a few things that I want to remind you of. When we were talking about leading people, one of the things that he said he has learned is that that everybody's different. That people don't digest information. They don't learn the same way. And you, as a leader, you really have to try to understand where people are coming from, how they learn, and adjust your approach. Meaning, you don't necessarily expect them to adjust first. That really understanding where people are coming from puts you in position certainly to help with their development, but it sends a really important message to the people that we lead. I'm willing to learn about you. The things that he said, you know, people work at different speeds. I also like, he was talking about sales. This is very much a team sport. Um, even in environments where maybe it's a simple sale and salespeople can handle the transaction beginning to end without a lot of help, I think that how salespeople function in a team environment, regardless of whether they're in a simple or a complex sale, is pretty similar, right? How they interact with their leader, how they support other members of the team. And Larry talked a little bit about uh, that as one of the aspects of, of leading salespeople that he loves. He said a couple of things that should sound familiar to you. We must build people up. That's what the role is about. You have to show people that you care about them. So you should have heard this in some of the other interviews, other episodes of this show. I'm not prompting these leaders to say those things. They just know these things to be true. In order to ask for maximum effort, ask for the best out of your people, you have to show that you care. So it was so great to have Larry join the show. I want you to think about, as we wrap up today's episode, what aspects of how Larry leads 
and some of the things that he said about tuning in to how people learn and digest information and also being clear about what you can offer to them as they come aboard, right? Are there aspects of what he said today that you can apply to your work tomorrow? I hope so. I really appreciate you joining and listening to today's episode. I will very much look forward to having you join us for the next interview with another great sales leader. We'll tell you more about who that next guest is very soon. And in the meantime, thank you so much for listening to the Divine Comedy of Sales podcast. I'm Matt McDarby, host and author. Thank you so much. See you soon.